Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kevin DeShazo of Fieldhouse Media and Culture Wins Championships, along with Mark Hodgkin of New Line. Mark, how are things going? Things are good. Spring is racing by. Um, it's a busy time, I know, for, uh, for a lot of folks listening and, and for us as well as we get uh, kind of the academic athletic year in college wrapped up. And on the pro side, obviously, cool to see uh, NBA and NHL playoffs and all sorts of other things going. So things are good. How about you, Kev? It's fantastic. Again, it's a busy time of year, even though it's a year end for the athletics world. Um, it's a busy time wrapping up sessions, planning out summer sessions, figuring out what NACTA is going to look like. Um, and, and already started a plan for fall. And so it, you know, athletics never sleeps as they say, uh, and there, and there truly is, is no off season, but it is an exciting time of year. Uh, it's an exciting time for graduates, which is what we want to talk about in this episode. Uh, we want to look at new grads. What can you expect as you move into the real world? What, what should your mindset be as you look in, uh, to, to finding that, that first position in the sports world? Uh, we want to start off though, by kind of sharing our own journeys of how we, we got to where we are, what our journey was coming out of college, um, breaking into the sports world, um, and how we, how we ended up in, in this place. Uh, so Mark, why don't we just go ahead and kick this off and tell us about your journey uh, from when you, you graduated up until your time now with New Lion. Sure. So um, I went to the University of Texas in Austin. I bounced around majors, uh, like a lot of people, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do in, in my time there, everything from uh, potential law school track to uh, teaching track to things like that. I ended up graduating with a, with a history degree. After um, I realized I, I, a career in sports was possible and, and, um, and attainable, I probably didn't realize that until the year before my senior year. Um, so I didn't have a lot of time, and I unfortunately never had the advantage, took advantage of the opportunity to work uh, with the athletics department at, at Texas, uh, but did have a year as a uh, a staff writer with the Daily Texan, um, a student newspaper, was on the sports beat, followed Texas tennis and uh, softball back in, uh, back in the day. Got, got a trip to the Women's College World Series out of that. Got to see uh, up close uh, a really, really great program with, uh, with Kat Osterman and, and that crew. And that, that led me to spending a year kind of around that, and especially that time at the College World Series, realized I, uh, you know, the sports writing track or the sports media track, uh, which I kind of thought about, was not really where I wanted to be, and really um, was impressed by a lot of people I met on the, uh, you know, sports information and communication side of it. So kind of pivoted there right at the end, um, got it out there and aggressively networked, kind of um, talked to a few people I did know in the space, um, and then was able to kind of get everybody I talked to, I would ask, hey, is there one or two other people that you know that I should reach out to. And I uh, kind of just went on the list and, and asked for maybe 10 or 15 minutes of their time. I uh, talked about myself, uh, hear about their story. Um, and just did that with everybody. At this point, I was back in Rhode Island uh, where I grew up. And, um, you know, basically any pro or college team around there uh, got some time with people on staff and, and eventually led me to uh, Bryant University, which is the Division II school up there um, in Smithfield, Rhode Island and uh, interviewed for a job on their communications team, their communications intern. Actually didn't get that position, but they said, uh, we'd love to have you for a marketing GA, which opened the door to grad school. Um, something I hadn't really thought about, but they have a great business school. Um, and they said, you know, we can't really pay you almost anything, but we'll pay for your MBA. Um, so I jumped in there, took advantage of a lot of opportunities to do marketing stuff, um, such a small staff. We were, you know, selling sponsorships to ticket 
plan to uh, even some development work. And, and I did do some communications work there as well. So um, did a bunch of things, eventually networked enough to get a, a position up at Boston College in their PR and uh, and marketing offices, splitting um, kind of a new digital role, <clears throat> which kind of opened the door to the whole digital thing for me, which is where I've been ever since. Spent a year at Boston College before um, taking a director of internet services position at the Big East Conference, which is back um, in Providence. Spent seven years at that uh, that conference through seemingly endless uh, membership change and then changing over to the American Athletic Conference. And then uh, spent some time there up until last uh, April, um, most recently as the Assistant Commissioner for Branding, Creative, and Digital. Um, left there last April and took a job here at New Lion, overseeing our product line. Uh, New Lion is a company that does official websites, mobile apps, OTT apps uh, for pro and college partners. Um, and they're looking for somebody with a college background to kind of drive their product strategy. So kind of flipping the, the script a little bit and going to the side, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of different providers, including New Line in the past, and uh, wanted to kind of uh, try something new and try something different. And uh, I've been there, been here for, I guess, almost a year now. So that's that's kind of a annotated uh, annotated career for me. Kevin, I know yours is a little bit different track, but uh, but pretty interesting as well. Yeah, I love it. And I've, I've known some of your story, but not all of your story. So it's always good to, to learn those things and some of those insights. Uh, mine, I, I, fellow Big 12 member, uh, Oklahoma State graduated there in 2004 uh, with a degree in management information systems, and I knew quickly that I did not want a, a career in that field. Uh, but I went ahead and finished out that degree. It was in the business school, which was of interest to me. Left uh, Oklahoma State, actually got a job. Uh, this could be a story for another day, but as an embalmer's assistant, believe it or not. Uh, so I, with a college degree, I was making seven dollars and fifty cents an hour um, to embalm people. Uh, on call every other night and every other weekend. So that was an experience. Uh, did that just for a few months. It was it was a, meant to be a temporary job, and it was moved to Oklahoma City and got a job in the healthcare world. I was a healthcare recruiter, um, working for the largest privately held healthcare firm uh, in, in the country. Moved up into leadership positions, got my my MBA, uh, and was always a sports fan. Um, and social media came out and. You know, Facebook came out when I was in, still at Oklahoma State. Um, never really considered that as a business tool. We started using that in our organization to recruit healthcare professionals. When the economy was going down, we kept losing resources. So we started using social media to recruit. Uh, that's when I realized it could be something a little more than pictures of, of my aunt's cat. Uh, then Twitter came out and I immediately got addicted. I mean, day one, I was addicted to Twitter. Um, I love the access that I could get to athletes, to celebrities, to reporters, um, and for a sports fan, I mean, it was it was perfect. Uh, so we started using that for our business as well. Just got kind of burnt out on the corporate world, and so left. Started my own healthcare staffing company. Um, it failed miserably. Made zero dollars over the course of a year. Um, on the side of that, I was doing some social media strategy with an agency here in Oklahoma City, learning um, really how to do that for businesses. Um, I've been approached to be a, a strategist for companies, uh, but ethically, I just didn't feel like I could do that. This was a time when anyone with a Twitter account called themselves an expert. Uh, and I just didn't feel okay doing that. Probably could have built a business off that. Um, but I wanted to go and learn under those who actually did understand these platforms and understood the, the, the business behind it and the marketing behind it and, and the messaging. So I did that on the side while doing the healthcare uh, staffing that failed miserably. And then I got this idea for Fieldhouse Media. I kept seeing college athletes getting in trouble. Uh, and thought, why can't social media be a good thing? 
And so I started Fieldhouse Media with, with zero connections uh, in the college athletic space. Um, and here we are six years later, been on over 120 campuses, uh, numbers of, of conferences, spoken at you know, NACTA and, and COSIDA and NCAA convention, all these different things. Um, and that led me to um, having a lot of conversations with athletic directors and coaches and administrators on, on, from the leadership side. Uh, and realizing there's a, a gap in leadership development in college athletics. So that got me asking a lot of questions and reconnecting with Jeremy Kubitschek, who runs Giant Worldwide. Uh, and through that connection, we've started to build out Culture Wins Championships while still doing uh, Fieldhouse Media. That continues to grow and thrive, and, and our calendar is already filling up for the fall. Um, but that's kind of been, been my story of, of using connections and networking with people and using social media to build a business uh, in social media. I think it's it's... We'll talk about this as well, I'm sure, but it's it's awesome how the the platform, especially Twitter, allows us to kind of expand our network and and build. Um, I know you're not a fan of the term, you know, personal brand, uh, but things like that that can kind of um, get you either out there as a thought leader or um, connect with people that you might not have connected with before. It's just uh, it's an awesome it's an awesome. It is, and that's the only way Fieldhouse Media exists. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't exist without social media because it is a, a company that's that's uh, based in, in this industry of social media. But in terms of actually building it, it wouldn't exist without social media. I, again, I didn't know anyone. I used Twitter to connect um, with ADs, with SIDs, with compliance people. I didn't even know what an SID was. Like That's how much of an outsider I was in this industry. Um, and I just started to share this message that, that I thought um, would work and that social media shouldn't be the bad guy and that we can educate players and coaches to use it well. Um, connected with a number of, of SIDs, connected with Chris Yandel at the time, connected with um, Kirby Gary, who's now the AD at Cal State Monterey Bay. People who just started, who believed in that message and, and, and helped me share it. Um, and, and Fieldhouse Media has grown only because of those people who believed in the message without even knowing me, without having a relationship. Um, but I was able to, to connect with them, to serve them and, and uh, build thankfully build build a business that's that's lasted um over the last several years great um it's a, it's an interesting journey and i guess that's one of the things we'll we'll talk about too is um you know what you're saying out here is you're a recent grad or you're out of school in the real world there's definitely uh no set path so it's probably one of the things to to drop first this idea that you're going to um plan out your next uh 10 years five years 20 years and say you know, I'm going to get a job here. I'm going to be here for two years. I'm going to turn it into a power five opportunity. I'm going to be there for two years. I'm going to be a senior associate uh, at this. And then here, you know, that's, uh, it's probably not, not realistic, but it's also not fun. And I think one of the things, um, the biggest things, especially in the sports world, um, and I know it, it probably covers over to other industries, but that ability to kind of have some flexibility to have, um, to, to keep your mind open to, to other opportunities. It's very hard in this business to limit yourself by, um, either geography or specific role type, especially when you're getting it right into the business. I mean, you'll see this once you get in this in the door and start seeing the job applications, hundreds and hundreds for almost every sports business, you know, opportunity. Um, and there's always, you know, always something to keep in mind too is, you know, and I've always tried to do this when there's a hard day at, at the conference or whatever, but if I leave, there's, there's a hundred applications that are in by the next day um, for this position. Nobody's too important. Um, and, and there's a lot of competition and, it, and you know, that impacts everything from the salaries, which can't, aren't always the best to, um, to the, the ability you have to have to, you know, if it's important to you, be willing to, to open it up maybe geographically to a part of the country you've never 
either thought about living in or, or maybe don't want to live in long term, but you know, you have to do certain things to kind of get in the door. Yeah, I think it's a great point in that um, people, and I, and I didn't notice this when I came out of college, and again, I wasn't in the sports world, um, but I've noticed this over the last few years. It seems as if people are, are um, they want to be very picky with that first job. And, and I think uh, in your 20s, it's all about who you work for. Like the, the job itself isn't that big of a deal. Location isn't that big of a deal. Now there's, of course, there are circumstances in life that may cause certain people they need to be in a certain location. Um, but I think in, the, in, the, in your 20s, it's all about who you work for. Find, find a boss who can show you what it means to be successful, who can teach you the value of hard work, who will mentor you, who will, who will what we would call multiply their magic, take their wisdom, take their experience and pass that on to you and invest in you. Um, that doesn't mean the job's going to always be fun. Um, your first job is just that. It is, it is a first job. It's not going to be a perfect job. And so we have to kind of lay down that expectation of perfection and say, where can I get my foot in the door? And as I'm interviewing with places, be, be open to interviewing as many places as you can. Um, what feels like the best boss for you not not um in terms of um from a needy perspective like who will truly invest in you who who can you learn the most from who will share information with you um and and go work for them and work your tail off and ask as many questions as you can um, to gain as much insight and wisdom for people who have actually been been successful uh what are a couple key things for you as you think of of new grads moving into their first position yeah i think you touched on it the uh you know not having a preconceived notion of a uh, the kind of place that would be a great job. I mean, you and I both went to um, big football schools. You know, it's easy to kind of say, okay, I saw at Texas, you know, 100,000 people at a game, athletic department. Um, you know, when I get to Bryant, there's nothing in common with that. But don't – you can't kind of take that on its face. You know, being at Bryant allowed me to do 10 times as many things as I probably would have done as GA at Texas. Um, so you take those opportunities that – uh, that are there. I think once you're in the door, and I think you make a great point about um, finding a boss that's for you, but once you're in that door in a good place, say yes to every project and opportunity you can do internally. And, and not only that, it's, it's one thing to always be around, but you want to you see some opportunities, keep your mouth shut, just kind of do a great job, follow through, be the least amount of maintenance that your boss has, be the, be the person in your office that's a, a total value add, not a not a person who's coming with issues or, or problems or complaints or whatever, you know, you're there, you're low on the totem pole. Most of the people in the department are going to kind of be, uh, you know, he, they've done this before they've been a GA, they've done the jobs, you know, for me, it was putting, putting up the tent at, uh, football games and, and doing, uh, study hall at five in the morning with student athletes. And there's a lot of stuff like that. That's, that's crummy. But if you get in there and you are, volunteering for as many opportunities and then delivering on those things, it really is the most impressive thing you can probably do to somebody, um, you know, at a senior level who's saying, this is somebody who's adding value, who's filling a void where it needs to be and is, and is taking care of business. I love it. I think you need to be a sponge, right? You need to go in and acknowledge that you really don't know much, if anything, and that's not a negative. If it's your first job, that's what they, they expect you to not know a lot. Um, so not coming in with arrogance, not coming in, um, with, with this kind of prideful attitude, um, but just saying, this is my first job. I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can. Ask questions, observe, kind of be that, be that fly on the wall, um, and getting, like you said, your hands dirty in every area that you possibly can. Because you may get a job in, 
let's say, game day operations. Well, if you somehow end up helping out compliance because they say, hey, we need some help on this, and you say, sure, I'll help out. Well, maybe you end up having like discovering this passion for compliance that you never thought you would have. Um, so I think trying to get your hands in as many different areas as possible, uh, just so you can learn as, as much as you possibly can. Again, what you said, you want to be someone who's adding value, um, not being a drain on people, not being needy. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to be negative here because sometimes it sounds like we're, we're focusing on some of the negatives. Um, but trying to say like, this is how you need to, you need to focus on positioning yourself for success in the long term. Um, and early on, that's just asking a lot of questions and learning as much as you can. And I think when we go back to um, the influence model, which we discussed in a, in a previous podcast, you're trying to build your credibility and competency because you really don't have any. Um, and again, that's not a, a negative thing. Uh, it's, it's your first job. Nobody expects you to be competent. Um, they know they're going to be teaching you some things. Uh, but come in, develop those relationships, focus on the character and the chemistry, and ask as many questions as you can to start building up that credibility and that competency so that you can actually have true influence with people. Um, just, just because you're young, just because it's your first job doesn't mean you can't have influence, but you need to go about that the right way. Um, so that's coming in with some humility saying, I don't know everything and that's okay, but I'm going to ask questions and learn as much as I possibly can and work your tail off. Um, as you said, and it's, it's well known, the sports industry is extremely competitive and you've got hundreds of people applying for every job. Um, as you said, when, when you leave every day, if you have a bad attitude, you know that they could replace you tomorrow. Every, everyone is replaceable. Um, and and that's, that adds stress to people, certainly. Uh, but you want to be faithful with the work that you're given. It's, it's easy when you get in to your first job. This is sports or otherwise. I mean, when I first got into the healthcare world, I was the low end of the totem pole. Um, when I was trying to recruit healthcare professionals, they were giving me people to call that they knew would never take a job that we had, but it was kind of my initiation, so to speak. Um, and I could have easily complained about that. And, and to be honest, I did complain. I was prideful. I was arrogant. Um, I thought I deserved better, uh, which is certainly the wrong attitude. Um, but eventually I realized if I can't be faithful with that work, why would they want to give me even more responsibility? Um, if we don't want to do the work that's in front of us today and be responsible and do that really well, why would they want to give us more? And so I think focusing on the tasks that are in front of you and making sure whatever it is that you do that as well as you possibly can and say, look, nothing is below me. Like I'm not coming in here with, with any pride. I will do what's asked me and I will do it as well as I possibly can in hopes that down the road, people say, man, that guy, that girl, she, she went above and beyond, even in the smallest of tasks. Um, this is someone that we want to keep investing in and, and, and build a department around, build a team around um, that can certainly be a future leader in our department. Yeah, you make such a good point, too, about say you're in the, the PR side or you're an SID. Um, you know, first job, you're probably not going to be the football primary contact. Um, so you're going to have to, you know, be the, the uh, cross-country contact. And, you know, how you get to be a football contact, you dominate the cross-country beat and you do all those things that are in front of you. Nobody has to motivate you to get those things done. Um, and you can't just look at maybe the next thing. And I think that kind of leads to another thing that I think is, is sometimes overlooked that, when you start your professional career, it is a big change. It's a lot different. You have a chance, though, to work on these things that you can control and that you can develop for the rest of your career, which I think are really important. And those things I mean by that, you know, are really your, you know, your attitude is one. You can always control that. Your work ethic. Work ethic is much more of a, a, a skill that needs to be trained at work and, and cultivated than, than people think. It's not just you have it or you don't have it. You can develop it and be better. Same thing for your, you know, your emotional intelligence, learning how to have that at work and, and do things that are so people like being around you and, and feel like you're there for them. 
um, you know, your, your communication skills, being able to articulate things in, in email and in presentation and, and just, you know, setting expectations with people in your department, um, you know, having that humility. I mean, these are things that are much easier to develop um, and getting good habits in early um, instead of learning these lessons the hard way uh, once maybe you have a team or something. So I would encourage people to spend some time on those, those little things that are actually really big things that you can control every day. Use it as an opportunity to develop those things so you have them when the, the next opportunity comes up. Well, that's a great point on, on communication. I think, and I've told people, if I could go back to school, I would get a degree in um, probably journalism, something involving writing, uh, and then a different business degree. Um, I think if you can speak well and write well, uh, and if you can connect with people, you, you'll be successful as long as you actually know your stuff, right? You've, you've got to be competent and credible. But if, if, you can, if you can learn how to connect with people uh, in a one-on-one setting, but also in a group setting, and if you can learn how to communicate well, again, verbally, written word, um, those are such crucial pieces for success. And there's no reason to not be able to do those things. Well, there's enough resources out in the world today to help you learn how to connect people, to help you learn how to write well, um, help you learn how to be a good speaker. And that doesn't mean you have to travel the, the country giving these big presentations. But if you know, we go to NACTA or we go to different, different events and you see people who are really, really uncomfortable in front of people speaking and talking and it's just like, oh, I want this session to be over with. And then you've got people who, who pull us in and not that they're just some crazy dynamic public speaker, but they, they connect with us and they're comfortable in that moment. That doesn't mean they want to do that all day, but they can be comfortable in that moment um, and you know that translates into their office as well, right? That's that's people who um, who can speak to the team, who can connect with the team, get the team on the same page. I think focusing on how you communicate and learning learning how to speak well, how to write well, um, and connect with people in, in a meaningful way. It's it's easy sometimes, and I think there's value in coming in just putting your head down. But you are with people, and so you have to learn how to build those relationships uh, because you're not going to be successful unless you learn to build those relationships. Uh, let's end with what are your two biggest pieces of advice for new grads? The biggest one I'll start with, and, and I say this to everybody, and, and I kind of alluded it to in, in my uh, overview of what my journey was, but the, the idea of networking, it's another thing that can sometimes have kind of a bad uh, impression, kind of a, uh, just grabbing business cards and finding people who can help me. Um, and I think a lot of people miss the, the boat on that, that, that you need to really provide value both ways. If you're, if you're getting you know, a meeting with somebody who's an established professional and you want to you wanna be able to bring them some value and, and not just come to them with, Hey, can you help me find a job? Um, you know, you've probably had this, Kevin. I, I know I have, but people, you know, come to you and they say, oh, you know, I'm interested in your journey. You know, you've, you've worked in sports, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to do that. And then it, the conversation feels like, well, can you get me a job? And then you never hear from the person again. So cultivating those relationships, you'll meet somebody at an ACTA, you know, coming up or at a, you know, an NCA event or whatever. Be diligent with following up, following up with value. You know, if you see something that, that's relevant to them, you know, shooting a quick email, hey, saw this, congratulations on the, the award or the new facility that's being built or that major gift you scored. Having some value, having some, some, uh, some genuine follow-up uh, is, is really important because, you know, you never know who's going to help you get that next job, but you can't treat it like I'm networking with you to get a job. It's just something that has to come naturally and you just build that by, um, you know, having a relationship and, and adding value and, and maintaining ties. And that's not done as well as some people could. Um, and it's incredibly important to your career. And the other step, you know, for, like I said, I think I, I guess I've touched on it, but once you get, you know, out in the workplace, um, people can open doors for you. One of my mentors said, I can open a door for you, but you're going to have to show that you, you belong inside. Um, and that's really kind of what I try to do when 
Um, you get there, take every opportunity, say yes to every project, have a great attitude, have a, um, you know, be, be in early, stay late, um, do your, you know, do the grind um, and make your, make your mark. Because I think that's, that's what people expect from entry level jobs and, and nothing's below, nothing's below you at that point and nothing, nothing should, should be expected. Nothing should be, um, you know, the worst part is when you have somebody who's young in a, in a position who thinks they know everything and thinks that everything's promised to them. You don't want to be that guy. Um, and even though that sounds such, such common sense, um, you know, we could fill another podcast with horror stories um, of direct, direct uh, uh, interaction with those kind of people aren't like that. So it's not, it's like common sense, not always common, you know, so it's something you need to do and um, you need to be very, very intentional about how you carry yourself. How about you, Kev? What are your two biggest pieces kind of advice for people uh, getting down the workforce now? Yeah, I think the, the number one thing I would say is self-awareness, understanding who you are and why you are, because we can't, we can't build up our, our weaknesses if we don't know what they are, and we can't live out of our strengths if we don't know what they are. And I think knowing that, looking back for me, if I had just known some of the things I know about myself now, if I had known those things at, I mean, at 17 would have been great, but even 22, 23, 24, 25, um, 30, uh, the mistakes that I made, I mean, I was, I was, even when I started Fieldhouse, I was prideful. I was arrogant. I was overly critical of people. I mean, I was, I was a jerk because I I thought I knew everything. Um, and I used my critique of people to try to show like how competent I was, um, which is not who I am. Like it was just all, it was all insecurity. Um, but had I known that I could have spotted that and led a different way. I mean, I was at a department recently and, and one of their senior administrators was like, yeah, I, I remember you. Like we had, we hadn't what a fight and fights with people, but a, a, a negative interaction. Uh, and I was like, no, that was absolutely me. Like I was that person. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I own it. I apologize. Um, and, and I, I mean, I can't hide from those things. That's, that's who I was. So I think self-awareness, um, to know your strengths, know your weaknesses, to begin to learn how to know yourself, to lead yourself. Um, cause then you only then can you really start to give your natural value to people. Um, I think that's the second piece though, is, is learn how to bring value to others. Um, we focus so much on ourselves and what can I do to, to build up my resume? What can I do that's best for me? Uh, I think the true way to be successful, to build influence is to show that you see other people, you see their needs and you help them meet their needs. Go out of your way to help people, um, go out of your way to recognize people, regardless of your position. Um, nothing is stopping you from meeting the needs of other people. Um, so, so step up and help someone when they, when they need help, step up and and work on a project that needs an extra set of hands, um, find ways to add value to people, um, instead of taking value from people. Cause everyone wants to be around the person who's, who's bringing value, who makes everyone feel welcome, feel valued, feel like they matter. Uh, and, and nothing is stopping you from doing that. So I think self-awareness and learning how to bring value to other people will probably, probably be, uh, my biggest two pieces of advice. Okay, well, this is a great topic, and uh, hopefully this has been value for uh, some of the graduates who are just finishing up school and getting out in the workforce. Um, you know, it's an exciting time. Please enjoy the journey, and, and you know, Kevin or I, um, we both enjoy uh, meeting new people, uh, being resourced, uh, anything we can do to help you as you get uh, get started on this journey. We, uh, we would love to uh, do that. We'll also both be at NACTA um, here in Orlando in a few few weeks uh and we'd love to say hello to anybody so please reach out to us on twitter or email um if you would like to uh to say hi so with that that's episode 12 of the sports leadership podcast um thanks everyone for listening as always if uh, you're finding value if you're uh, enjoying these podcasts we appreciate uh, a rating and a review on wherever you're listening whether that's stitcher itunes 
uh, SoundCloud. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's always a big help for us. Um, and until next time, for Kevin DeShazo, I'm Mark Hodgkin. Thanks for listening.